Gene Shepard, humorist, after-dinner speaker, and recipient of the Mark Twain Award for show these days has the average lifespan of a mayfly, and you know the mayfly. You don't know about the mayfly either, so I'll have to explain that to you. The mayfly is a special type of insect that uh, uh, lives such a brief life. It, it lives only to breed, curiously enough. It lives one day, usually a half a day, and does not even have any way to eat. It just lives and dies in one day. It's called the mayfly. Isn't that sad? Oh, that's so sad. That's another thing for you to be sad about. So would you please give a cheer to all those who are sad about every damn thing in the world. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, my, oh, my. Oh, isn't that nice? That is tonight's salute to Peggy and Fitzgerald. Now, uh, we have to uh, move on, though. We have other and more important things to do here. Uh... Many, many things. So just hang... Much of the, the following show will be in terrible taste. I just thought I'd have to remind you of that before we get too deeply involved in it. And before we do get involved in that, we have a note here from one of the listeners. He says, the other night you were talking about the proliferation of ethnic detectives on the air and the various types they will eventually take. He said, I've been thinking about this, and it's quite true. Yeah, very much so. And he said... Uh, I have uh, come up with an idea, which I am now peddling around the various uh, production agencies on the on the AV. Uh, here is his uh, new detective. You may be seeing this in the season or two, probably on ABC, uh, which seems to go in for that kind of stuff. He says, I have uh, created an Albanian detective, 
a group which has been neglected in the past. I, uh, <laughs> he says, uh, this Albanian detective, however, varies from all the other detectives, and it means nothing about his nationality. He just happens to be an Albanian. It's just a great-sounding name, an you know, Albanian. He says, however, it's the first detective on TV that is subject to bribes and political hanky-panky. He plays the game all the way. After all, morality today is entirely a matter of the TV producer, and who can quarrel with him since TV producers set morality? Now, uh, all television uh, uh, detectives have to have some kind of an infirmity, you know, some limp, uh, you know, Kojak. Uh, he, he has his problems. After all, it was a terrible day when he took his head off and all his hair fell off that day. They don't talk about that day. It's what turned him into that bitter, angry man that he is. And uh, so that's his infirmity. And uh, also, he's got this thing on these suckers. And any good psychologist could tell you what uh, a hang-up on uh, penny candy means. I don't want to get into that. That's sickening. Anyway, uh, so that's his infirmity. And we all know that Columbo, his infirmity is being three feet two inches tall. In addition to that, he has the, uh, the general posture of a clam. He appears to lean over forwards at all times, and he winks constantly, and he smokes three-for-a-nickel cigars. So he has plenty of infirmities, not to mention the fact what it's doing to his lungs, okay? Now, Beretta. Now, what about Beretta? Well, we know about Beretta. He's got all kinds of things going there, right? Well, anyway, this, this detective, this Albanian, and I have to say it sounds like a good one, he has sinusitis. Yes, he has a post-nasal drip which means that he blows his nose constantly in the middle of a case. And it will add a little comedy relief. He's continually looking for Kleenex, and, of course, eventually he has to use his, his uh, coat sleeve right in the middle of a shootout, and that's going to be fun again. Of course, it's a nice tie-in with many sponsors. Vicks, for example, would uh, like a detective with a post-nasal drip. And a good tie-in, uh, you, notice that, you notice on Kojak, you never see Brill Cream commercials on Kojak. Well... Because a uh, sponsor likes a little tie in now and again, and so a guy with sinusitis would be an instant hit. Now he says, "What about his? Uh, what about his uh, his pet? Well, his constant companion throughout his adventures is a giant praying mantis that perches on his shoulder. It's no less silly than that cockatoo that Beretta has. He has a giant praying mantis. Since there is a lack of religious piousness on the tube today, this insect would undoubtedly serve this purpose." The hero refers to him sardonically throughout the script as, quote, the reverend. And much close-up business can be achieved with his praying attitude before the hero machine guns the opposition between blowing his nose. He says this should also bring on a closer rapport among the various faiths. I'm looking forward to this ecumenical program. And uh, we want to thank the listener for letting us in on what we can look forward to. And uh, incidentally, I'd like to say that there's now a television show that uh, features uh, apparently a waitress. Yes, of course. But she is a waitress like no waitress you have ever seen. For example, she never comes over to a customer and says, What do you want? Uh, she never does that. Uh, she never says, I'm too busy. Or uh, 86 on a pumpkin pie. She never says any of that. She just makes funny little lines and apparently lives in a never-never land where all television writers live. Have you noticed that Milwaukee, in one series, is almost exactly like Rhoda's Bronx? 
Oh, well, oh, well, I'll tell you. That's called television land. They, I, they just keep naming those towns, but they're not like that. Now, I know Milwaukee. I've spent many, many, many uh, times of my life, my salad days in Milwaukee. First of all, two girls living in Milwaukee would be Polish, for starters, or German, if you're going to be ethnic. Possibly Lithuanian. But only grudgingly. <laughs> okay, will you hit the button, please? A little more laughter. <laughs> I mean, what the hell? Shepard's program is recorded before a live audience of insane, idiotic laughers. All right, let's get on here. Let it hey, you know, that's that's one of the great gimmicks on television. You know, this is recorded before a live audience. People think, you know, those are just people off the street. Well, I know one show that, you know, they can't run the risk. They've got a, you know, $87 million show that's on television. And, uh, of course, you know, there's a certain uh, intellectual snobbery that has to do with uh, recorded laughter. You know, you know, with that recorded laughter, so you get this live laughter. But what they don't say is that the audience is filled with out-of-work actors that are hired that night to laugh their fool geezers off. And <laughs> in other words, it ain't exactly a live audience. Let's put it this way. Eh, every field has its mercenaries. All, all set? Well, all right. I'll just give you a suggestion. Do you know anybody who has ever attended any one of those shows? Those Now, I'm not talking about game shows. I'm talking about dramatic shows. Bum ba dum bum, bum ba. Oh, sure. There's, there, there were at least a dozen when I first came to New York. Let me tell you how that works. When I first came to New York, and and I was uh, making the rounds with a, a big crowd of of my fellow out of work actors and performers. We used to sit in in uh, various uh, offices of little little. Uh, boy, I'll tell you. You know, there's another TV series that's supposed to be about an agent. Is that a joke? I have I've known plenty of agents. None of them have been like Nancy Walker. <laughs> Not one, remotely. <laughs> now, the praying man is, yes. However, uh, and <laughs> I remember this one agent. <laughs> he was over on Broadway. See, a lot of agents have these. If you walk along Broadway, see, you walk along uh, Upper Broadway. Not really Upper Broadway. Broadway in the 50s, roughly. And you look up, see. Most people never really look up when they walk along Broadway. You'll see all these windows looking down at you. And in those windows are all kinds of little guys like Jay Cheever Loophole. You know, all kinds of, you know, all kinds of little, uh, little sharpies have got little offices in there, see? And they're crowded with people all day long. And they book everything from, uh, protesters to you name it. I mean, they're ready to book. So, there was what, this one agent when I first came to town, and it's kind of sad, you know, when you see, the real, you know, the real nitty-gritty of showbiz. There was one guy, I remember, an actor. I, I often, really often, I wonder whatever happened to this guy. But he he carried his, his credits with him, his brochure, you see. And his brochure really consisted of a whole series of stills from various television shows. Now, uh, what were the TV shows? Well, uh, shows like uh, the Guy Lombardo show. Yes, there was a Guy Lombardo show, and they used to, like, the, the uh, oh, there would be a show like the, uh, oh, uh, the Lawrence Welk show. Now, do you ever see the Lawrence Welk show where the camera switches, see all these people dancing? Those are all paid extras. 
Yes. And, <laughs> and, and, and so there would be a circle around him. So you see him dancing there and on the Guy Lombardo show. Then there would be a picture, at, uh, for example, uh, it says, uh, The Time I Co-Starred with Jim Garner. And what it shows is a battle scene. It's a big wide shot of 4,000 guys hitting the beach on D-Day. And uh, way up in the front, you see this one character with his hand up. It's Jim Garner. Say He's leading the charge. And you see amid this great crowd of guys on an LST, 400 guys all wearing tin hats, looking the other way. You don't even see his face. There's a ring around it. It says me, the time I coast. <laughs> well, now, see, he was more successful than most. Let me tell you something about the guys that don't even get on camera. Uh, I, I went, uh, was sitting in this office seeing this guy comes out. He says, hey, uh, you know, everybody's looking for a job. Any kind of a job, see? Showbiz. He says, uh, hey, you? Uh, you? Uh, you? Oh, yeah, the the short, fat one over there. How about you, huh? Come on in here. Of course, they jump up and run in like crazy. See, oh, they got a job. So they run in. And a couple of minutes later, they come out, and they're all looking real happy. And I said to the short, fat one, who was a friend of mine, I said, hey, Ralph, you got a job. He said, oh, wow, it's my break. I says, where are you going? He said, I'm going to the Steve Allen show. I says, no kidding. He broke you on the Steve Allen. What do you do? Whistle, hum? I mean, do you ride a, uh, one of those big high bicycles with the seat two feet off the ceiling and something like that? He says, no, no, I'm in the crowd. And they used to go out and hire guys to sit in the crowd and start the laughs. And that was showbiz. Now, have you ever listened to the laugh tapes? that you hear on TV shows? Well, it may occur to you that many of those are paid actors. Sure, and that's their only claim to fame. Curiously enough, some of them are immortal. I suspect they're using laugh tracks that were recorded during Ed Sullivan's heyday. That one guy's guffaw. He's probably been dead for 20 years. <laughs> and he's still laughing at bum jokes. Oh, oh, boy. He's going to have a lot to answer for up there in the great beyond. <laughs> well, while we're on the uh, subject here of... Uh, a minute ago, I don't know what made me think of it. Uh, you know, I had this great story I was going to tell you. But then I suddenly realized that, you know, here I am. Uh, my my head is suddenly thinking of uh, of beer. And I, I'm not a beer fan. I'm not, I really know it. I'm not, no, no, I don't drink much beer, maybe one, two a week at most. I'm not a beer cuckoo, but I am a great observer of the beer scene. One does not necessarily have to play tight end to be a fan of football, nor does one have to be a beer guzzler to be an observer of the beer scene. Not at all. And, uh, in fact, I'm probably the only guy you ever know that did a full network television show on the beer mystique. I did. It's a fine show, too, by the way. <laughs> and uh, so I'm, you know, I'm a real student. All right, if you think you're a student of beer, uh, here, all right, where is Iron City beer drunk? All right, where is Canadian Ace drunk? Where is Burger Beer drunk? B-U-R-G-E-R. Where? Nope, you are wrong. Where is Chainling drunk? S-C-H-O-E-N-L-I-N-G. Chainling beer. Uh, these are all domestic beers, and they are all drunk in cities that are large cities in America. 
where is Jack's drum? J-A-X. I'll give you one clue. It is not Jacksonville. Most of these names have nothing to do with the cities. They're just the names of the beer. Where is Jack's drunk? Okay. How about uh, Rolling Rock? Nope. Probably all of you know where Genesee is drunk. Okay. So we know that one. How about Carling's Black Label? Okay, you don't know where any of these are drunk. See, you thought you were a student of beer. You're not. Uh, where is uh, Foxhead Deluxe drunk? You keep saying the same city. <laughs> you probably get it eventually. I mean, you keep he keeps hollering out New Orleans. Is you know Foxhead Deluxe, and and in fact that's the way the commercials went. It went. Foxhead Deluxe, they would always say. Hmm? No. All right. Where is... Uh, there are all kinds of great beers all over the country. In fact, uh, there are a lot of uh, beers which are really connoisseur beers that are only served in certain areas. Now, it is not true that all local beers are good. Many of them are terrible. Uh, in fact, quite a few of the ones I've mentioned are terrible. However... <laughs> Just because they're local doesn't mean mean good. Uh, one of the reasons they're local is because they're terrible. All right, where is Primo drunk? P-R-I-M-O. There's an exotic one. No, these are all United States beers, every last one that I gave you. Primo. You'd never guess that one. Where is uh, that? That's a local beer. It's never seen anywhere else except right in that area. Where is uh, here's another good beer, Greasy Dick. Here's a good one. It's a good beer too, by the way. Where is uh, Narragansett drunk? Have a Gansett is their is their uh, their phrase they use. Have a Gansett. Where is that? You're <laughs> really having bat and bad today. Uh, <laughs> now, these are all local beers. And uh, you want to hear some more? I'm sure you do, right? Uh, for example, uh, there is a beer which is still around, which was the brewery that uh, was the front, and in fact the big money maker for Al Capone. They still make beer. And it is still served. Obviously, I've given you a clue as to what city it is. <laughs> Did you say Pittsburgh? <laughs> well, where was Al Capone? All right. What was the name of his beer? Believe it or not, it is still around. You saw scenes with, uh, uh, depending on who, there were about 15 different actors that played Al Capone. There's always a big scene. There was one scene where George Siegel was an Al Capone henchman, and he came in to this speakeasy, and the guy had beer, of course. And George ordered a beer, and he took the beer, and he says, what kind of slop is this? And the guy says, why, uh, isn't the beer any good? He says, no, what do you mean? He just pours the beer on the bartender's head and says, I've got a beer you're going to take. It's a real good beer. And I think you better take it. And they broke up all of his barrels and ran all his beer out in the street. A truck pulled up with the new beer. What was the beer? 
<laughs> All right, now I'll give you uh, I'll give you other clues. Uh, there are other other different types of beer around. Of course, everybody knows the national beers like Pabst Blue Ribbon and High Life, Miller High Life. Uh, no, Lowenbrau is not a national beer. Um, incidentally, it is not either. Also, it is not the most popular beer in Germany either. No. The most popular beer in Germany is not seen over here, curiously enough. It is a beer called Augustiner, which you've never heard of. <laughs> okay. But uh, let me see some of the other great beers. You want to hear some of the others? There's a beer that is produced up in Minnesota. And, uh, in fact, it, it claims that it is produced in the land of the sky blue waters. What beer is that? Another beer advertises itself as coming from the land of the of Minnetonka. Those Indian names. What are those beers? <laughs> now these are all great American beers, and by the way, many of them are connoisseurs' beers. Truly, uh, that you see. Uh, uh, for example, uh, uh, what what beer is? Uh, it's not really a beer. Where is India Pale drunk? India Pale. It is an ale. It's also called India Dry. Very elegant brew, incidentally. It's a truly elegant brew. If you know anything about ales, it's one of the best ales around. What is that one? Hmm? Uh, are, uh, you know that there were a lot of great breweries that have no longer, no longer exist uh, here in New York City. For example, uh, there was a beer called Eckerling. Did you ever hear of Eckerling beer? Well, I happen to have a tray. One of the, you know, the trays that they, apparently at one time, it's an old tray that somebody gave me. I collect Americana of that type, and it is a tray that was used in a, a, a saloon or a tavern, and it has a great big logo on the front of it, and it was given away, apparently, by that company. It was called Eckerling Locker, which is New York beer. There was such a beer. Uh, the man who owned the Yankees at one time, during the great days of Babe Ruth, was whom? Right. And what was the name of his beer? He was a beer baron. What was his beer? No. No, it was not. He had a beer, and it was, uh, it was a famous beer. In fact, I, th I think they still have the label around, but what was his beer? So, uh, students of, of beer, well, that's not a local beer. You know, there's many, many German beers, and I'm not here to talk about German beers because the German beer scene is another scene. However, uh, uh, other beers, now I can give you, if you think you know, the funny thing about Americans, they think only, the only imported beers are German or Dutch or possibly Mexican. Incidentally, what is the best Mexican or one of the famous Mexican beers? <laughs> All right. But, uh, by the way, that beer happens to be also drunk very much down in Texas and throughout the Rio Grande Valley. Now, uh, here's another, uh, to give you an, uh, an idea of various uh, beers. What, what country produces uh, Red Star beer? I'll give you a clue. It is not a communist country. I'll give you another clue. It is an African country. <laughs> uh -huh. Okay, but uh, 
Yes, and it's an excellent beer. It is one of the best beers around. I mean, uh, the, certainly one of the best I've had. What are some of the great Japanese beers? You know, the Japanese make many beers, and they enjoy beer very much. Not We're not talking about sake. We're talking about beer. Beer. And, uh, and, and what is the Japanese word for that beverage? What is the... Uh, what is the the uh, Mexican word for that beverage? <laughs> Cerveza. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, as uh, as you go around the world, you see great. You know there are great beers. I'll get, all right. Where is uh, where is Carlsbad drunk? Then it has nothing to do with the caverns. So I have to quickly tell you. See, because most of you have very literal minds. Now, if I said hell beer, you'd say, oh, I know where that's drunk. No. Uh, Carlsbad. Then there's another one. Uh, you ready for more? Mm-hmm. How about... You want one? All right. How about Pike's Peak? Never heard of that one, did you? There is such a beer. How about this one? There is a beer that is so elegant that is made in very small quantities and it is sold only throughout in one city and often by mail it is made by mail if you're living in Paris and you want to order this beer they'll send you a case at an incredible price uh, and it's a it's a very elegant beer that is uh, very carefully made and I will give you a clue it is made in San Francisco what is the name of that beer it is never seen in, unless you go to a very elegant place like the top of the mart or something like that, and then you pay heavily through the nose for a bottle of this stuff. All right, where is Priors drunk? P-R-I-O-R-S, Priors. Both Priors Light and Priors Dark. These are two different types of beer often seen uh, on tap it is not seen as often in fact it's one of the best tap beers around you know that they draw from uh you like all these beers it's interesting isn't it well actually right now in this country you know that's a hobby i, I know a guy that has over four thousand beer bottles which he has collected from all over the world he does not collect cans only bottles and so that cuts down, you know, a lot of the a lot of the beer. Where is uh, say uh, here's a here's a beer. Uh, let's see, how about Schultz's Lager Special? You don't know that one. Here's an elegant beer, Schmidt's. S C H M I D T, Schmidt. You know where that comes from? Where? Oh, it's like saying Texas. <laughs> no, Schmitz is a Philadelphia beer, in case you're interested. Uh, but there are other beers which uh, which have their own style. You know, various parts of the country like different kinds of beer. Uh, for example, if you go to certain parts of the country, they like their beer more in the European style, which basically is a heavier beer. You'll find heavy beers, say, in the area of Cincinnati, where many of the people are Germanic of extraction. So they like the heavy beers. Americans who are brought up on uh, Pepsi-Cola and Coca-Cola tend to like a no-cal type beer. We like a beer that is very light. Coors, for example. 
this is a certain kind of beer. No, that's good beers, by the way. Many Europeans find those beers are refreshing in chains. By the way, many Americans are very inverse snobs about beer, believing always that German beers are the best. Well, this is a matter of great argument, even among beer connoisseurs. It, uh, <laughs> that there are many great American beers. All countries, by the way, uh, practically, I shouldn't say that just flatly, but all countries produce a form or another of beer. It's one of the one of the truly universal things in the world. Uh, you see beer? You're curious about Red Star? Well, Red Star is a Nigerian beer, which I have drunk in Lagos and Jos and Kano and various other Nigerian cities. Good beer. Uh... Primo? You want to know where you drink Primo? Primo is drunk in a town called Lahaina. Where is Lahaina? You don't know where Lahaina is? What? Armed forces? Oh, it looks like you're saying armed forces. <laughs> yeah, they have their own beer, too. Lahaina. Lahaina is on the island of Maui. You don't even know where Maui is. Well, it's the Hawaiian Island group. And that's part of the United States. Their big beer out there is Primo. Okay? You still don't know where Canadian Ace comes from. <laughs> she, you know, everywhere darkness. Everywhere the stygian night of ignorance. <laughs> to Gene Shepard, humorist, author, and recipient of the Mark Twain Award for 1976.